Today on Growing Through Grace. You found people that were just hungry. We don't always find that today. We pray for that. But what we find, Christians with very short attention spans, very little spiritual hunger, and just, come on, get it over with. I'm doing my part being here. You just do your part and hurry up. Listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jacob Elin of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. And as we begin a new week, we're excited to get back to our series in the book of Acts as we pick up the study from last time in chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Now we've seen Paul once again on the road, and we'll catch up with him on this third missionary journey as Pastor Jack teaches us through his time in Troas. We'll back up just a bit into yesterday's study to get the context. So let's join our teacher for the conclusion of this message. Here's Pastor Jack. We are not told why at Philippi, as you read here, Paul sent the group ahead to wait for him at Troas while he stayed behind with Luke. Um, Maybe it was fear over the money being robbed. Maybe they needed to break up. Maybe he was sick. Maybe he needs some red. I don't know. We can't say, the Bible doesn't say. We are told here that he and Luke stayed in Philippi through the the Passover feast. You remember, if you will, that Luke was was left here by Paul on his second missionary journey. And he has been here ever since. So now years later, years later, Luke Luke meets with Paul again, and now they're going to travel together. You can gain from your um, Bible the change of pronouns. Luke, the writer, now says we traveled, and us, not they and them. It's we and us. And you can always find where Luke is apart by the the pronouns, obviously, that he uses. We are told that they sailed, he and Luke did, to Troas, that it took them five days. You might remember when they came to Europe the first time in Acts 16, they got there in two days. It's a 150-mile sail. Winds were with them. Apparently, the winds were not so welcoming this time. They were still in God's will. And I only mention that because sometimes if it's easy, we think the Lord was with us. And if it's, if it's hard, God was against us. But in both directions, they were right where God wanted them to be. And I know I've mentioned to you before, but Paul, in his 16 years of travel, roughly, covered 1,500 square miles of land with the gospel. Amazing. No wonder his best friend was a doctor. That's all I'm saying. So... He stayed with with Dr. Luke from, according to history, uh, 57 AD, from the 7th through the 14th of April would have been these days. And then he set out for Troav to meet the rest of the team. He wanted to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost 50 days later. So that was his mind says, I got to get there in 50 days. So he, he stayed a week with the team in Troas. The only incident that takes place in Troas of all of these hours of, of, and travels and, and days and all is the one we're about to read down through the end of our study for tonight. So that, that this is what the Lord wanted us to know down through verse 17. So we'll start in, in verse 7. 
where we read this. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples... Now, remember verse 6, he was there for seven days. So on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, so this is at the end of that week, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. The early church began to meet on Sundays after the resurrection. Sometimes people will say, why do you have to go to church on Sunday? Now, my answer is usually, well, you don't have to go to church at all, but you should. God would require it of you. And I don't care what day you go, you should go. But, but as far as, as specifics go, uh, Matthew, what is it, chapter 28, verse 1, on, on the Sabbath, and then on the first day of the week that began to dawn, Jesus rose on the first day of the week. So the church, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, began to meet on Sundays as well. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter uh, 16, he talked about offerings, and he said, look, on the first day of the week, lay aside for yourself what you plan to give so that you might give and not be coerced into giving more. Decide before you show up. In other words, between you and the Lord, work it out as the Lord would guide you. Um, Paul would write to the Colossians about uh, the, the legalities of religion, and, and he would say to them, don't let anyone judge you in regard to what you eat or what you drink or, or the festival you attend or the new moon or the Sabbath. They're all just shadows of, of the substance, which is Jesus. But the church practiced of meeting every Sunday. So a week after Paul arrived, at night, before he was to leave in the next morning to sail away, um, or as his case would be to walk away while everyone else sailed away. He gathers the, 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 the church in Troas. And he begins to speak to them on a Sunday night Bible study. Believing it is his last visit, he made the most of it. He just began to talk, and verse 7 says he talked right to midnight. That's a long time. How would you like that if that happened to you tonight? I would suspect you'll never come back. He went to midnight. He's nuts. Said the Lord was speaking to him. It was ridiculous. Speaking to me to go home. I, I, sh I shared with you, I think, last week about our, our, our experience was young Christians with Pastor Chuck on Sunday nights and how he'd go for two and a half hours and we'd always cheer one more chapter. There was a hunger, right? And there was a hunger in Troas. The, these were hungry people for the word of God. This is the work that God was doing in Paul's day. It, it comes back to how hungry are you for the scriptures. I've been in two-hour Bible studies that seemed to go by in 10 minutes, and I was upset when they stopped. And I've been in Bible studies for 10 minutes that just felt like two hours. And please, God, may he just go hoarse right now in Jesus. You just, you, you can't deal with it, you know? It just drives you nuts. It's like watching a movie or, or watching something on TV. If, it, if it's absor absorbing to you, man, time flies. But if it's boring, it's just boring. Well, God was moving. Things were not boring. The, their hearts were open. The people were hungry. Paul was anointed. He was driven and passionate. And he'd been at this a long time. He was a vet. He was good at what he did. When we went, as the church began, one of our first missionary outreaches from us as a morning star, as a young church, was we helped plant a church in Dumaguete City in the Philippines. And we took 19 people with us for a week uh, to the island of Dumaguete. It's in, the, it's, it's in Negros and kind of in the Visayas in the middle of the country. And, and they hadn't seen this many Americans, I think, since MacArthur landed there, you know? We, we just came marching into town, and, and uh, it was an amazing work. We, we saw six and 7,000 people every night showing up at the park 
standing arm in arm and, and, and shoulder to shoulder, waiting for sometimes three or four hours for the service to begin in really sweltering hot, uh, you know, Filipino kind of humidity. And, and then I got a chance to go speak to them. We had thousands of people make commitments to Christ. It was amazing. I, you just shook your head and said, you know, God, what are you doing? Over the next year and a half after we left, the, the 5,000 people that came up and filled out cars and made dedication to the, to the Lord, the church in Dumaguete personally went to everyone's house to be sure they were doing well. All 5,000 homes, can you imagine? It was an amazing time, but again, you found people that were just hungry. We don't always find that today, unfortunately. We pray for that, but what we find Christians with very short attention spans, very little spiritual hunger, and just, come on, get it over with. I'm doing my part being here. You just do your part in the area. Different than it used to be. No matter how hungry you are, there's always the flesh to contend with. No matter what. And certainly that sets the stage for what happened next. Because we read in verse 8 that there were many lamps in this upper room where they had gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep, but he was overcome with sleep. And as Paul continued to speak, he fell down from the third floor and he was taken up dead. It was an evening service that had now become a night service. Paul had gone long. He's gone really long. There are lots of oil lamps and candles and torches to light up the room. It was crowded. It was the third floor. Smoke was feeling the room. It was getting late. You get the picture. Not exactly your ideal situation for the flesh. We in our design of our new sanctuary are getting rid of pews. We're getting chairs, comfortable chairs. Somebody said to me, are we getting those reclining movie chairs? And I thought, <laughs> heck no. <laughs> I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. What's wrong with you? We're going to make you sit really up straight and it's going to be uncomfortable. No, it's not. But you certainly don't want to get people reclining Wednesday night. That's not smart. One young man who came to this meeting, obviously hungry for the things of God, was, was being influenced by the lateness of the time and the, and the climate, the atmosphere, the environment. He thought moving to the window might work, but by the window that's where all the, the smoke was and he was a goner. I'm sure you, you've done one of those things, and I'm sure he bounced a lot trying to strain to, to keep you know, his attention, but invariably he fell into a deep sleep, and then he fell 30 feet to the ground, and it killed him. Talking about messing up your servant. We have people that come to our, our church who work nights, and especially on Sunday mornings, we'll see them coming off their ships, who they've been up all Saturday night, and, and uh, the guy, oh, he won't mind if I tell him. Anyway, he sits in the front row, on the corner, been there for years, but he can't, he fights, the, you know, he's been up for 16, 18 hours, he feels like he's got to come to church, he's got his Bible, but one poor guy, one morning he went out, and then he falls right into the, oh, and everyone went, oh, and then he's embarrassed. And I thought of this guy. I mean, for, praise the Lord, this is, you know, two feet, not 30 feet. So I admire guys who bobblehead their way through church just to be there. 
There are some of you who will, if, there, if it looks like rain, you're going to miss three weeks. But these guys commit to it, and they're there every week. So Eutychus, and by the way, just so you know, the, the name Eutychus means lucky. <laughs> Great name. Yeah, he's lucky, all right, with luck like that. So verse 10 says, Paul went down, he fell upon him, embraced him, and said to everyone else, don't trouble yourself, his life is in him. Imagine the commotion, the thud. Where did Lucky go? Everyone runs outside, and Paul gets there first. And like the Old Testament prophets, like Elijah, like Elijah, like Elijah and Elisha, God used Paul, I guess, in the same manner. He embraced this young man, and then he downplayed it to the crowds. He's all right. He's going to be all right. The, the verse two verses away said he's dead, but Paul said he's going to be all right. So God worked. We read in verse 11, when he had come up, and the he there is Paul, when he had come up, he broke bread and he ate with them. He talked a long while, now he says it's a long while, and he spoke until, until dawn. And then he got up to leave. So, Lucky went home to get some sleep. Everyone else who dared went upstairs to finish the sermon. The word is homiletics right here. It just means just that. And they were, had, had communion like we're going to have tonight. And Paul did not take this as some sign from the Lord that he'd gone too long. He should wrap it up. No, he went upstairs and went six more hours until morning. There was a hunger in Troah. That's all I can tell you. If you can convince people to stay up all night while someone just dropped out of the window dead... You got something. We read in verse 12 that as they brought the old, uh, when, when Paul got ready to leave, they, they brought the young man to him alive. Everyone that was at this study took great comfort. They were not the, just a little bit comforted. So Paul checked on Lucky with the rest of the church. And he was lucky. He fell asleep in a Bible study, fell 30 feet, and lived to tell about it. That should be a warning to all of you who might want to go to sleep. You might not be so lucky. And then we read in verse 13 that he then went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. They're intending to take Paul on board. For so he had ordered, in, intending himself to go on foot. And so he met us at Assos, and we took him on board, and we sailed to Madeline. And we sailed from there, and the next day we came to Chios, and the next day we came to Samos, and the next day we came to Trigillium. They should get easier names. And the next day they came to Miletus, which was the port city of Ephesus, which was about 12 miles or so uh, inland down the Neander River. So um, Paul would meet with the Ephesian elders here. Paul, we read in verse 13, did something interesting. He told his group, and if you have a map you can see it, to sail from Troas to Assos. On your map there is just two dots that doesn't really show the sailing, if you will. But everyone got on a boat that was with him, including Luke, and they left Paul alone because Paul decided that he wanted to walk. It is 20 miles, literally all uphill from here to there. 
So Paul, after a night up, decides to take a walk by himself 20 miles to clear his head. The team boarded a 30-mile boat trip around Cape, uh, I think it's called Lectum in, on your maps. I don't know if it's even on this map. But, but Paul went out on foot after a night without sleep to just, I don't know, clear his head. He needed some time to pray. He needed to get away from the group. He said, everyone, I'll meet you at the next town. We'll all catch the boat from there. Just leave me alone. And he took a walk. Interesting picture. I, I don't know why. I, I assume that a guy just fell out the window. I don't know. Lots going on. Lots of warnings to Paul about what waited for him. Um, when he wrote to the Romans in, in chapter 15, he said, uh, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ that you, and through the love of the Spirit that you would strive together in your prayers towards God for me that I might be delivered from those in Judea who don't believe and that my service in Jerusalem, his bringing of the financial help, may be acceptable to the saints and that I might come to you, to the Romans, with joy by the will of God and be refreshed together with you. So he had some concerns about where he was going. And I suspect that's why he needed to get away and pray. I don't know how many of you go out for walks. One of the things they told me to do when I got after my stroke was start walking. So I walk five or six miles in the morning by myself. And it's nice and quiet usually, um, unless dogs come after you. But then it's not so much fun. But it's a great way to pray. I mean, you, you just can't do anything else. Unless you put a headset on, you're pretty much walking. And uh, so Paul walked. I don't know why. I, I'm just guessing that what lay ahead seemed troublesome to him. He, he did mention in one of his uh, writings to the Romans later. Notice in verse 14, 15, 16, 17, all Luke does is give to us, again, no insights, but just a bunch of one-day boat rides through the inner sea lanes around the western coast of Turkey, heading south. It, was, it would have been a great time to sit out on a boat in the springtime in the Aegean. We were there last year sailing uh, to Ephesus. It was an, it's a beautiful place. There's lots of islands. The, the, the sea it tends to be very calm there. But he went from Assos to Mytilene. That's 40 miles. He went from Mytilene to Chios. That's 70 more miles. He went from Chios to Samos, 70 more miles. From Samos to Miletus, 50 more miles. And then he sent for these elders. And he wanted to meet with them. He couldn't stay long. He had them travel the, the you know, half a, half a uh, marathon, I guess, 12 miles or so, um, just to come see him at the port so he could get back on the boat. But he wanted to, to meet with these guys. And beginning in verse 18 and then going forward to the end of the chapter, we, have, we are given one of Paul's, I think, most important messages and it is given to the church leadership from Ephesus where he had spent three years. It was given to men that he loved, to men that he had trained, to guys that he had left in charge when he left back in verse 1. It was given to men who were given the responsibility of overseeing this church in Ephesus. This church would be around a long time. Timothy would come back here and be the pastor. Uh, John the apostle would be the pastor. And, and so it would go in, into the second century. So it is a church. Jesus will write a letter in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 2 for seven verses. So um, Polycarp, if you know anything about church history, followed John into the pulpit in Ephesus. So this was an important message. Paul wanted to give them one last 
you know, cheering on, if you will. And the reason it's so important is it is the only recorded sermon of any length in the book of Acts that Paul gave to believers. Most of the other ones were, were preaching to the lost or to the contenders or, or the arguers. But this is Paul just sitting with the saints. And he wants these men to know his heart towards church and church planning and church life. And so I, I think it has, it has such great value because if you want to know how Paul felt or how the Lord feels about church and, and leadership and ministry, read these. So, Lord be willing, I would like to, after next week, but starting in two weeks, I'd like to spend three weeks with you in, in these 18 verses. I, I know it's a long time, but I think there's a lot there to learn, and really, why are we in a hurry to finish anyway? Um, and then Paul will get done, and he doesn't want to stay because he's in a hurry. He's got to get to Jerusalem by the Pentecost. So, you know, time's clicking off. He's already spent a week over there in Troas. You know, there's at least eight or ten days in here where he just makes these one day kind of 70, 80 mile sails or two days. So uh, I'm sure that he, he's kind of tying himself up, but, but his intention is to get, to get these words out to these men. And, and I, 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 just, I just remember with great fondness, when, when we were um, a young church, we took all of our elders and their wives out to Newport Beach to a hotel there to have a retreat just with the leadership folks. And we spent the weekend there, so I called Pastor Chuck, and I said, would you come by and just talk to our guys, you know, just for a little while. He lives down that way, so would you just come and give us some words of encouragement? You know, the church was just getting started. And he said to me, well, I'm in San Antonio, but I'm flying in Friday night at 8 o'clock, and I'll stop by on my way home. I've been there all week doing a conference. I said, oh, that'd be great. So I'm thinking Chuck's going to roll in for two minutes and bail. So he comes over to the hotel, the Ayers Hotel. I don't know if it's along the 55. But anyway, so he's going home, and we're all there, and Chuck comes in with his suitcase. Little guy, puts the suitcase down, sits on the edge of the table, opens up the Bible, and taught this passage for an hour. No Bibles, notes, no. He just poured his... And I still have a copy of it, and all of our guys have it. It was the best study I ever in my life, but I was a big Chuck fan, because that's where I grew up. So he just, he just emptied this, this out for us. So I, wanna, I want you to have the same enthusiasm I had having read it. So we're going to spend a few weeks there if that's okay with you. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness to us. We thank you that, that the way of life in the church is certainly of, of preaching the good news of your son, of living a life of faith, of, of sacrifice, of, of being willing to, to, to speak your mind to those who are not like-minded. To, to pray for one another, to hang out into the church and in the, in the fellowship, to, to look to you to, for strength and power and the movement of your spirit. We realize that, Lord, our, our country, our city needs Jesus. And if we were as excited as these men and women in Troas who would, who would stay up for 12 hours in a smoke-filled, warm room just to hear from Paul, then, then, Lord, certainly we lack the enthusiasm that we should have. And I pray that you give that back to us. Not that we could even endure 12 hours <laughs> listening to any of us, but that we could certainly be hungry for you more. Pastor Jacob Elin with that closing prayer. We've been listening to a study taken from Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. 
This has been the second half and conclusion of a two-part study. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3076. That's always helpful for us to know the radio station that you're listening to, so be sure to mention those call letters when you get a hold of us. And as we're studying the beginning of the church, how about going all the way back to the beginning of creation? It's always good to see the foundations of our faith in the very first book of the Bible. And here in the month of February, we'd like to offer to you Pastor Jack's teachings through the book of Genesis in the MP3 format on either a single CD or a USB flash drive. Pastor Jack takes us to the account of creation, the flood, and the beginning of God's covenant relationship with man through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you'd like to get Pastor Jack's studies through Genesis in the MP3 format, either on a single CD or a USB flash drive, or to get today's study, just dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. Again, that's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all of our others available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. And that's going to wrap up our time together today. We do thank you for being with us. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. A Calvary Chapel Outreach.